Okay, welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. Dr. David Miller, ND here with Michelle Pubega. ND, what's up? Hey, Dave, how's it going? Good, good, good. Good, good, good. Yes. <laughs> Not just once, Triple three good. times. <laughs> I yeah. had to count that. I had to use my fingers and count that. <laughs> um, and you, you're good. I'm, I'm well, I'm well. Uh, yeah. yeah, just uh, living, living the dream here. Here See, we are, well and good. Yeah, and uh, ready to talk about leaky gut. I'm just gonna say, it. I'm just, I'm not gonna yeah. even like, well, I'm I not gonna do to a weird lead up. I just want to, yeah. yeah. I was thinking, sometimes I'm thinking of people like, what the hell are they talking about? Like, all they're doing is chatting for a minute. So let's get to the point, people. We're talking about leaky gut syndrome. Yeah, we're gonna talk about the leakies, the leaky guts. Michelle. How the it's, hell have we not talked about leaky gut syndrome already? Um, I don't know, Dave. I don't. Yeah. Know. But it's a big deal. And I think that if you have any kind of GI issue, there's probably a very good chance there's some level of GI permeability in addition to whatever is irking your digestion. Like, yeah. I know like a lot of people like to do the fancy stool culture tests, like your GI 360s and doctor data and all those kinds of things. And I also have a test that gives me some parameters about leaky gut, but I'm like, if I'm getting results back and you have like parasites and your, uh, your stomach acids low and you're not making enough enzymes and you have diarrhea and you have food sensitivities, I'm just going to assume you probably have some version of leaky gut based on the repercussions of that. So I'm still going to treat leaky gut at some point through the protocol and just go and heal and seal and soothe out the like support heal, those tissues. seal and soothe i like it yeah heal seal and soothe so uh it's a big part of i think for you and i especially working in more digestive care it's always something at some point through the the gut healing process we're going to address as a as a client patient relationship you know what? It's uh, you said something like if you have a gut issue, it's part of part of it. I'd I'd almost expand that and and link it to what you were sort of saying as it's going to be a part of your your approach with with probably everyone at some point and say, you know what? It, because of the um, interplay between you know gut and nervous system and how the the microbes and and the uh, the gut and the layer of the gut and the permeability thereof and um, the data transfer between outside and inside that how that modifies uh neuroimmune sensitivity and all that stuff like it's hard for me to even say that it it would be um it, every condition i i'm going to say every condition could probably be improved by uh just a better permeability sort of characteristics of the gut in all fairness i, I agree i said it Okay. It's, it, Am I getting it's the trouble I think, with that one, right? I don't know. I think I was like trying to dance around that, but I think in all, I, I think a, a lot of old school philosophies are like all disease starts in the gut. And I think this permeability or inflammation or some kind of damage to that boundary between the digestive system and the rest of your body is going to be affected and lead to either the cause or an exacerbation of other conditions. Um, well, that's, you know what, that might be even a better, more precise way of saying it. if it's not the cause, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna exacerbate or, or um, mitigate, I would say. 
Yes. And it might, yeah, it might not be the reason, but it's sure as heck going to just pour gasoline on the fire of whatever condition you have. Um, so I feel like that's the thing. And it's funny, we were talking in our pre-talk about how in naturopathic college, a lot of like the elders and a lot of our philosophies were all disease starts from the gut kind of vibe and leaky Mm -hmm. gut was a big part of the discussion. Um, but it's, it's becoming a bigger topic now because I think the science is finally catching up to understanding gut permeability. And I think it was Dr. Bradley Campbell was, was saying repeatedly in the past, he's like, logic is smart. Science is slow. And this is like another one of those examples where I think we innately know certain things and we can see the repercussions of things, but we just don't always have the scientific data to understand the minutiae and all the details of it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is one of those things that I think is starting to get a lot more recognition, especially from a mental health perspective. There's a lot of that leaky gut leads to leaky brain and exacerbates mood disorders, cognitive disorders, like dementia, autistic spectrum, like all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot coming up now down, like coming through the pipeline research-wise from from that perspective. Um, But before we kind of get into it more, I kind of want to go into a little bit more of the the, 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 what it is, um, so that people can understand the implications of it as well. So, and get into the, a little bit of the nerdy stuff before we go into what do we do about it? Yeah. Start the nerdy backbone, Michelle, give us some of the nerdy backbone facts. So in, in humans, I don't know about other animals, but in humans, the intestinal barrier covers a surface area that's about 400 meters squared. And it's like the largest surface area with forms a larger surface area with external environment. So like we think our skin is our biggest surface area in contact with the external environment, but we take for granted how like our whole digestive tract from mouth to anus is basically in has direct communication with the external environment. And then everything in between has to process that information. Um, so it's kind of wild. So that- That is crazy. That's a massive 400 meters squared. I know. That's massive. That's because all like, the folds, the villi and the microvilli. Although I, I guess the, that would be less if you got leaky gut, right? If you got damaged epithelium, probably. that would probably be less. Celiac disease and all that kind of stuff too, yeah. right? But this is why the integrity of that is so important because it is in, like that whole statement right there. It's the largest surface interface with the external environment, which means it has to be well-regulated and maintained. Cause like, there's a lot of crap that's in our external environment that isn't supposed to seep through into our blood and into our organs. So just like our skin is meant to have a very good barrier system. So is our, our, our gut. Um, so this is, this is that little statement right there is the premise of where leaky gut comes from, because it means there's something's gone wrong in that interface. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you don't want to let too much stuff in and you don't want to let too much stuff out. And it has to be like a smart kind of barrier mm-hmm. uh, because it's not just a one way. It is an exchange, just like all animals live in sort of, uh, you know, in an environment in which they exchange uh, information or, or whatever. So, yeah, this is a, an example of that. Um, so prevents uh, penetration of microbes, toxins, antigens, nasty stuff through the intestinal wall, but it also prevents the loss of water with electrolytes while allowing nutrients absorption and waste secretion. So it's like 
good stuff you want some you want to keep some good stuff you don't want to lose the good stuff you want to keep the bad stuff out but but there's a little bit of interaction that uh that that gut is going to have with um bacteria and you want them to sort of like shake hands a little bit yeah it's actually it's honestly when i have conversations like this it's really remarkable. You forget how, how cool it is, eh? It, it's really remarkable how the human body is composed. It's so yeah. fu- fucking wild, if I'm going to swear. It, is. it really is. Yeah. Okay, so in doing some of the nerdy stuff, um, yeah. I was thinking, oh, yeah, we got these lines, epithelial uh, layer, which is the one, one layer thick. And, and that's crazy. It's one layer thick, which is cool in a way. Well, you do want to exchange. Like if something's only one layer, then exchange is probably important more so than production in a sense. Um, but what, what I kind of forgot, I always like to admit the things that I, I forgot when we do the nerdy stuff, I forgot mucus is sort of like the first line of defense. It's like, it's, it's more than like mucus as the first line of defense and then your cells. So I don't know what you, what I don't know, reading the nerdy stuff about mucus. uh, What did you, what did you get out of that? I think, well, I think I understand that. I think I take for granted. It's like I know that mucus is the first line of defense, but I think we sometimes take it for granted because we go right into the cellular level or the microbial level or the or the functional side of things. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the interesting thing, but I don't think I knew was, or maybe I did at some point and forgot, was the small intestine is a single mucus layer, but in our large intestine, there's two layers of mucus, and I don't think that's ever actually permeated into my consciousness the way it probably should have until good, good now. choice of words. Good choice I'm going words. to yes, admit same. that. I'm going to admit it yeah. too. I'm going to admit it too. Yeah. I actually, I, I, I completely forgot that there was such a massive change uh, in the, in the way the mucus uh, is in terms of its like physical properties and therefore functional properties between the small intestine and the large intestine. Yeah, it's cool. And like the mucus layer. So when it comes to this whole GI tract, there's like physical, chemical, biological components like the mucus, like the epithelial cells, and then these things called tight junctions, immune cells, and then the gut microbiome. And uh, just going back to the whole idea of mucus, it doesn't actually stick to the wall. Like it's it's not adhered. It moves through the intestinal tract. So yeah, with paracelsus cool. and move, moving of your food, it moves um, the toxins and microorganisms with the mucus, which is what mucus is supposed to do. It's supposed to trap things and like soothe any irritated tissues, but also allow it to like be a vessel to, to let things kind of come through you. Um, which is why, uh, Crohn's and colitis, when you have an irritated tissue, you're producing more mucus. Cause now you have to have that higher amount of like defense layer. Um, mm-hmm. so, but it moves so that it prevents any kind of development of inflammation and allowing toxins and, and pathogenic microbes to fester longer. Um, and then in the, uh, bringing it down into the colon and then in the colon, we have an inner and outer layer of mucus and the inner one, it says it's impervious to bacteria and forms a barrier that separates the microorganisms from the epithelial. So that inner layer is it's the beast. It's key money. Impenetrable. It's meant to be an impenetrable beast. It's like that's cool. The guards at the gate. <laughs> yeah, t- tell the people your little guards at the gate, and they just give away. Every- you're going to sum up uh, leaky gut in in uh, like a, a few seconds here. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it's like think of like gated channels. 
It's like it's like one big tube with gates along there, and you got these guards that regulate basically what's allowed to go through the gate and what's not allowed to go through the gate, basically. What um so it sees a fully digestive protein. So it's down to like simple amino acid structures and like, yeah, you're good. We like you. Come on in. Vitamin A molecule. Yes, we like you. Come on in. Parasite. Nope shields up mm-hmm. you can't come you can't you you shall not pass as my gandalf mm-hmm. um is coming up hard so <laughs> but if we have like a leaky gut it's kind of like that gut barrier has been stormed by a whole bunch of renegades and the guard's been shot and the gate's been left open and people are just ransacking inside into the rest of your yeah. the bloodstream so now your immune system's like holy shit, what's going on? And that's when we start to see its effect on the rest of the body and it no longer just becomes a gut problem. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, I think I, I always, I, this is this is what the they had in that, uh, one of the papers that we're using here to sort of um, have our scientific backbone uh, yeah. secure was they said until recently, the leaky gut syndrome was uh, associated with alternative medicine circles. I think we're in that. Yeah, that's us. Yeah, I'm yeah. okay with it. <laughs> yeah. However, novel evidence indicates uh, its connection between both GI and non-GI uh, diseases. These include celiac. Again, this will just be a list of stuff that we have deemed in the parameters right. of science that are allowable and good at this point, and that will change, I'm sure. But for now, it's celiac disease, uh, IBD, irritable bowel syndrome, type 1 and type 2 diabetes people, yep. um, Parkinson's disease, autism and allergies so that's some that's some uh that's some big time stuff which isn't there again they're not all like just uh gut diseases they're they're neuroimmune weird stuff going on in the well i would add to that and maybe this paper didn't have it but i would add to that like mood disorders and cognitive function because like i said already at the beginning the leaky gut has been shown to cause leaky brain and that's going to lead to a myriad of problems there's so so many other things Uh, like and, and back to what you were saying, like we were saying at the beginning, you could almost use an approach to uh, firming up any sort of issues that leaky gut to any kind of person, any condition with any kind of chronic uh, health uh, optimization or problems. I'd say this is like, um, it's one of the few things I would say everyone could could do. Yeah. And I, the analogy, if you like an analogy, I'd say it's like if a physio or your chiro or your sort of manual therapist uh, tells you you should do you know work on your core like how do you ever go wrong working on your core you know it's very i find it very similar to that like ah if we don't know what to do you can always work on um, optimizing the um the leaky gut i think so i think there's i think you're not going to go wrong by um Mm -hmm. supporting a healthy gut integrity I wonder if it goes, you know, when we talked um, about IBD, we said uh, how the more westernized a country or an area becomes, the more they are susceptible to IBD. Well, then what they've found is diseases which are linked to intestinal hyperpermeability tend to be uh, localized to westernized countries where a diet rich in fats and refined carbs predominates. I wonder if that's maybe the link here, the sort of more mechanistic link. I would like to change that statement, just tweak it a little Go. bit. A diet rich in inflammatory fats and refined <laughs> yeah. carbohydrates. Because fats, nice. fats are not bad, but seed oils oh and inflammatory fats and canola oils are highly oh, inflammatory. See, 
Sorry. So I'm not, pants. I don't want to, I don't want to demonize Fazio, but <laughs> I, I will, I will point out the ones that I don't like, like margarine. And <laughs> so, so well, even I, a bunch of the omega sixes, right? They, yeah. they um, they're inflammatory. They're yeah, they are pro-inflammatory. We literally see them being pro-inflammatory. So like, yes, your flax seeds and all those things are great, but they still have a certain amount of pro-inflammatory reactivity in the system. And inflammation isn't all bad as long as your body knows when to cool it, cool the jets on the inflammation. And most people's bodies are kind of like full speed ahead with inflammation because of how they treat their system. Um, and I would also add to that, it's not just inflammatory fats and refined carbohydrates, but like highly chemicalized and genetically modified and manipulated foods that our body no longer like our body doesn't recognize those things. So it becomes more of a burden to try to break down. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna expand on that statement there, Dave. Yeah, no, it's true. It's uh, the fats, uh, they're not all created equally, right? EPA, DHA, those are beauties. Those are gonna help um, decrease intestinal permeability Heck and yeah. your alpha-linolenic acid and <clears throat> gamma-linolenic acid. Yeah. They're going to increase the permeability. So it, it's not, a, it depends, like the specifics matter, just like, um, you know, if you look at your, and we'll get to a little bit more on carbs and that, but like um, your galacto-oligosaccharides, uh, prebiotic <laughs> sort of uh, dietary fibers are all going to be good for intestinal probabil- uh, probability, my God, permeability. Um, whereas your increased intestinal permeability will result, uh, from, you know, fructose, do you say fructose or fructose or does fructose sound too much? I say fructose, but no, it's fine. I don't know. The the little devil in me always wants to say fructose just to see if I trigger anyone. Anyway, fructose, uh, glucose and sucrose, such a child (laughs) sometimes. Uh, those, those are pro-inflammatory, uh, you know, pro- permeability, hyperpermeability causing uh, carbs. They're all carbs are not created equally. All fats are not created equally. Nope. No. Nope. Okay. And so, so, so it's, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Help me out here, but yes, you're right. Not all carbs are bad. Not all fats are bad. Um, I know that even fiber is, might be like a tricky one. Cause there's a lot of, and we've talked about this when we, um, when we talked about FODMAPs diets and our love of fiber and stuff in certain conditions, like if you do have a small intestinal bacterial growth overgrowth, if you have a fungal overgrowth, if you have other things, including an obscene amount of fibers might irritate your microbial imbalance, but eventually you still want to get back on those fermentable fibers because they help your beneficial bacteria create butyrate and butyrate is actually a very key factor in protecting you from leaky gut because yes. it actually helps improve the integrity of the intestinal cells. It's like a fuel for the intestinal cells so that they can heal and they can maintain the resiliency against any kind of irritation. So even fibers, there's like, it, it, it's never, it's never blanket statements about stiff uh, about stuff. Like it's not all carbs. It's not all sugars. It's not all fats. It's not that fibers are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really like, the right thing at the right time of your healing, the right quality, the right quantity. So I just want to put that out there, but fibers could be irritating at the onset, but I always want to get people on them because of its effect on feeding the beneficial bacteria, which then improves intestinal integrity. So I think at some point, yeah, you have to be on, on, on some form of fiber. 
Um, but there is often an aggravation I, in my in my experience where I use psyllium like 90 something percent of the time. Yeah, it's it's not never, but it's not super common. But you do have to be aware of that, especially um, if you sort of follow the the SIBO kind of um, paradigm, which I, I I've said there's some like I've said in the past, there's some merit to it, but I, I don't find it a, a, an easy um, or useful paradigm to work with a lot of time but i get it um there's other uh there's other sort chain fatty acids we just talked about the, the big the big ones mostly mm -hmm. butyrate um protective for colorectal cancer and um your colon colonocytes just eat it up they love butyrate it's party time in the in the colon when there's butyrate flowing were you so, gonna say in the pooper because you started to say shut up oh my god <laughs> sometimes i should just do what michelle would do anyway it's party time in the pooper when there's lots of butyrate flowing. It's um, it's it's where the party's at. Uh, but there's also pro propionate and acetate, which have other sort of uh, benefits uh, beyond the scope of what we're chatting about. But uh, just to be inclusive, you know, we have to be inclusive. <laughs> Do not forget one type of short chain fatty acid. Otherwise, no. they will be they will be offended. And yes. they will, they will reap their ugly heads inside of you. Your short chain fatty acids are going to start to attack you from the inside out, Dave, when they hear that sentence. Oh my God. <laughs> he said that. Okay. Um, sure did. Inflammation, <laughs> inflammation, chronic diseases, and poor nutrition might lead to, this is one of those like, uh, you know, which chicken and egg sort of thing, inflammation, chronic disease, poor nutrition might lead to leaky gut or leaky gut might lead to inflammation, chronic disease, and poor nutrition, because, um, well, I hope that makes sense from what we've chatted about already. Well, I think that like all of that's going to make leaky gut worse and it could all cause leaky gut. But it's so interesting is that when you finally have intestinal permeability, I find people are more reactive to a more variety of foods. It's like, it's like, then they, then we get into the weird zone where they're like, if you do run a food sensitivity test, it lights up like a Christmas tree rather than having maybe like five or yeah, six yeah. real big offenders. And some of them are probably all right. Um, yeah. It's like when you start reacting to fruits and vegetables and this and fish and, and then I was like, okay, you have leaky gut. And it's not really that you have a sensitivity to all those foods. It's that your insides are in such a state of chaos and your immune system is so overwhelmed because of intestinal permeability that now you're having reactivity to foods that you shouldn't be or don't truly have a sensitivity to so it's interesting yeah i mean i, I talk about in clinic with people when you have that sort of hyper reactivity to every damn thing i'm like think of someone you know who blames everything on everyone else everyone irritates them all the time it's like him you know he's such a dick her i can't believe she did and him and her and her and him and him it's, and then you're like at some point like what if part of the problem is like you <laughs> and so and so that's kind of um that's kind of a way of thinking about this too like if you're just reactive to every single thing um it might be your gut's fault a little bit not just the not fault the of foods. things that yeah <clears throat> exactly yeah yeah um so i think part of the the key of, I know, we've probably alluded to it but it's it's the triggering of systemic reactions that's real problematic when it comes to like moving beyond the gut like beyond that first layer yes and now we're, we're getting into interactions like with neuroimmune uh, uh buggers um you know like our cells are our, our uh innate and adaptive immune cells sort of now experiencing more 
interactions with pathogens, pathobionts, and um, wow, yeah, um, and and then and then leading to some some sort of screwy systemic stuff happening. So now the the bad sort of like interactions happening there are then like um, uh, communicated to the rest of the body systemically, and then that's probably where we get into those. <laughs> weird autoimmune uh relationships like type 1 diabetes um what are the other neurological ones they they mentioned uh parkinson's parkinson's Parkinson's. (laughs) and autism yeah it's funny in autism uh like i I looked at a lot of research on autism um quite a few years ago and it's funny the if you it's interesting when you look at the the model they use in like uh animal animal studies for autism is they use path um notobiotic uh mice or rats or basically mm. what they do is they they make them have no microbiome at all so that's the, that's the model they use for um the sort of neurobehavioral um uh animal studies of, can we just, of uh, can, autism can our can our audience just reflect on that for a second that is how important your microbiome is yeah and why we have to foster it and like take care of it. Cause by yeah. creating a completely in, like a lack of a microbiome leads, you can replicate conditions by doing that. It's, yeah, that's, that that's, says a lot of it all. It's probably why I haven't seen any of these, these kids on that spectrum that don't have some absolutely bizarre eating uh, restrictions. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing is, is like, if like to put into like simpler words, even if you have things, substances, undigested food particles, pesticide residues, chemicals, toxins, microbes, yeasts, mycotoxins, like uh, all this kind of stuff now going from your intestines that should have been pooped out and removed from your body. And now they're going into the rest of your system. Now they're seen as foreign substances. And your body's going to go basically into red alert fight mode, which then leads to inflammation. And if your leaky gut continues to allow things to just keep coming in, your body's going to be in a chronic state of inflammation. So hello, joint pains, hello, migraines, hello, foggy head, hello, fatigue, hello, maybe even insomnia, mood conditions. Hello, everyone listening. Right. So, so this is why it's actually a far more important thing and it should be a part of discussions, I think in, in a much bigger way. So this is, this is why we wanted to talk about it because it's a big freaking deal guys. Like it's a big freaking deal. So mm-hmm. some things that can contribute to the development of leaky gut, aside from diets that are high in sucrose um, or sugars, diets that are high in refined carbohydrates, high amounts of inflammatory fats, diets that are low in fiber, which we've all kind of just talked about, but also um, diets that are high in um, uh, chemical additives and overly processed. But I would also say other contributing factors to leaky gut would be 
different kinds of infections like parasites and yeasts, alcohol, excessive alcohol consumption. Alcohol is very toxic to the system and it's breakdown product acetylaldehyde. It's extremely toxic to our body. Um, heavy metals can contribute to this. Glyphosate, which on our non-organic produce, which I think is now rampant in even like rainwater and like all sorts of stuff because we've sprayed everything with Roundup to no end. Different kinds of medications can also lead to leaky gut, bacterial infections, mold and mycotoxins, food allergies, low levels of IgA. So like if there's an immune impairment happening, low stomach acid, you know, like there's a lot of stuff that could lead to this. And a lot of that is not being really thought about, I think, by the standard person. So that's why I wanted to bring it to people's radar and awareness. Yeah, it's like death by a million cuts, you know, um, but that, yeah. that's, that's the problem with this, you know, you get hit in the face with something hard or what, something acutely uh, happens and it's very in your face, yeah. uh, in you terms know. Of like time and place, you know, you know. this stuff's hard because it's like, you know, should I use that real scented Tide and, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, eat that dirty Tim Horton sandwich with the glyphosate laden gluten containing wheat, um, you know, like, and, and look, I've had a, I've had one of those sandwiches probably in the last like two weeks. So I'm not saying I never do it, but we need to know what we're doing. Um, I have not. With some, like, I honestly, not. Michelle, I refuse I, to eat at Tim Hortons, people. <laughs> I do think you live to a, you know, in some ways you live to a higher standard um, with your, that's, I shouldn't be talking about this, but you probably do. But anyway, whatever. I'm not here to pump up your tires too much. I'm kidding. <laughs> please, 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 sir. Lost Keep sir. going. Please but no, the point is like, the point is, I think what you're saying is there's a lot of like insidious kind of day-to-day yes. stuff that is going on. And part of it is like, can be maddening. Cause then you're like, man, what do I do? But at the same time, you have to do the most important ones. And uh, we didn't, I didn't read anything. I don't think about uh, gluten being absolutely horrific as a uh, killer of intestinal uh, permeability. Yeah, I'm surprised we didn't touch on that. Yeah, but now we are. Yeah, but I I just want to say really quickly too is that I think that because we live in a world that's becoming higher, faster pace, have to turn out production, we live in a world where we like convenience. And we've talked about this before, where convenience in the moment feels great as technology and different kinds of things. Things have things have developed to make our lives more convenient, but we don't always think about the long term ramifications of that. And we don't, we don't necessarily understand them until 10 to 20 years later, sometimes when we've realized, oh, that actually did lead to blah, 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 because we think about, oh, this is super awesome. It's going to make my life easier, blah, blah, blah. So that's why people eat packaged foods. And that's why fast foods have popped up everywhere because it feeds us on an emotional level. It's fast. It's easy. It's emotionally triggering to us. Right. Like, and, and I don't think people are always as aware as like you said too, if you get hit in the head, you know what caused your pain. But a lot of times people mm-hmm. are eating garbage, 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 and they're not always able to identify what's causing their pain. And we we need I, I just I really just want the world to begin to appreciate what they choose to fuel their body with. And I think that's really I, that's really, I just, you know, everyone says world peace and I'm just kind of like, no, if I was Miss America or whatever, or Miss universe, I'd be like, I would love people to treat their bodies less like a dumpster fire. 
I watched Miss Congeniality the other day, world's peace. So that's why that came to my head. But, but like, but it's true. I think people take for granted how food affects them and we need to start talking about that and taking it with more than just a grain of salt, taking it with like a true sense of like validity to that, to these statements, right? Like we need to start giving it some more weight. Anyways, gluten, go on with gluten. Hit me with that. No, it's, it's, that's good. No, that was, that was about it. Like gluten is like, if I have someone, there's some conditions in which I I just say, yeah, sorry, you gotta, you gotta like really can the gluten, like uh, autoimmune thyroid disease. There's just too much information for us to, to say, otherwise you go home and do what you want. I don't ever tell anyone you have to do this, right. You have to be a big boy, big girl, whatever. But like, um, yeah, there's, when it comes to autoimmune issues, leaky gut, uh, gluten, all this stuff becomes even more relevant than it already is for you and me and everyone else anyway. Yeah. And um, sometimes I'm just like, I don't even need to do a test. I know you need to come off of that, but some people need the test for them to have the validity yeah. in their mind. But gluten has been shown to cause intestinal permeability. It actually yes. loosens those tight junctions that, that are really important for as that gated channel. And it just kind of leaves them open a little longer than they probably should be. And then you just have like an influx of stuff coming into the bloodstream. That's basically, I think that the Coles notes version of how gluten interacts with our gut. Would you say? It's structurally, yeah, it structurally screws up your zonulin. And then, you know, when the structure is off, then the function's off. Um, yeah, you didn't say this, I don't think, which it's more up your, you know, your alley is that the gastric pancreatic and bile secretions have a lot to do with inhibition of uh, pathogenic microorganisms so all the more reason to make sure that those uh yeah although all the more uh, reason to make sure that those organs uh in the upper gi are doing their doing their thing because they they do affect the lower gi right your pancreas uh, your stomach your liver and gallbladder guys don't forget that they are part of your digestion Interesting, just side note, clinical mm. fun thing I saw this week. Two people came in, pancreatic issues. One, absolutely pancreatic issues, um, has had surgery to resect some of it with a really great <laughs> surgeon who lives in the in the big smoke down near uh, down near you, Michelle, in Toronto. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, and another one that I just have issue, I have, uh, based on uh, signs, symptoms, palpation and all that, I'm pretty sure she's got some pancreatic issues too. Um, both of them had this wake up time around 2am. So I'm going to stay, stay tuned. If there's anything to that, um, organ clock or something with like a two, a two to 3am wake up. I know we talk about 3am, 3.30am wake ups with cortisol and blood sugar a lot in the naturopathic community, but, um, stay well, TCM tuned. would say TCM would say that's liver. Uh, 2am is liver two, time. Yeah. Which I mean, medicine. shares a lot of, shares a lot of blood supply with the, um, with the pancreas and the, anyway. pancre- and, the and the common bile duct and pancreatic duct as well. <clears throat> yeah. And so if there, there's... there might be, there might be something there. I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. I, yeah. I felt like it should just, you know, when you get a couple things in one day and you're like, mm, yeah, I should, now, I should note that. Now I feel like I want to talk it out with you, but maybe once we stop recording, cause Another it's time. not, it's not relevant to this discussion, but I'm like, what about this, Dave? <laughs> well, related to that was digestive enzymes, proteases, yeah. lipases, amylases, nucleases, act as a barrier to those pathogens too. And, uh, and that could come from the diet. Yeah. Um, and, and speaking of diet, mucus is made of 98% what, Michelle? What? Drink your fucking water. water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Drink your water, man. Your oh water. my god, I've been I've been saying it a lot more even lately than than I have uh, previously. It's crazy. Sometimes yeah. you don't drink enough water, and it's 
pretty damn simple. Drink more water. I'm sure Drink there's more water. examples like that. And, and like, like eat your vegetables because vegetables are also a source of hydrating your body. That's also part of also the beauty of vegetables. Celery, lots of water content. Cucumbers, lots yeah. of great water. You want to have some watermelon? Great water content. It's Makes also another reason why you got to eat the rainbow, guys. It's not just about the meat and potatoes, as delicious as they are. We need to have those other things. So um, vitamin A and vitamin D are also necessary for the integrity of the epithelium and the gut microbiota, and as well because they have a huge effect on uh, immune modulation. Um, so. And also, hi, uh, fat-soluble vitamins. Need your bio for those. And healthy yeah. cholesterol for vitamin D. So, you know what? I when reading these papers are funny to read when when it's something like what we're talking about here, which is like <laughs> old school cornerstone of naturopathic medicine. Yeah, didn't hear too much about glutamine when I I, I remember being in school and it was like glutamine was the most gangster shit of all time. Like. Um, we knew that cells in distress need more glutamine. Um, and you know, if you, and now maybe it makes a little bit more sense, but I didn't hear too, I didn't hear a ton of like <laughs> accolades for glutamine. Although I, I would doubt that any naturopathic or whatever related, um, allied health professional professional who does gut work wouldn't use some glutamine. It's, it's the, it's the fuel cell that's the fuel for the, enterocytes um so it makes sense to use it i think i didn't yeah, hear too I, much about it i know it is the it is one of the primary fuels aside from like butyrate and all those kinds of things glutamine i think glutamine still is the gangsta shit along with your demulcents for helping leaky gut yeah so we're, sl we're sliding into the, like maybe more solution based stuff so do you want to maybe yeah. just give a quick a quick sort of um uh description of some of the kinds of things you would think about or strategies you would think about yeah. It, well, I mean, a lot of gut healing products typically have glutamine at their base because yeah. it is so nutritive to those intestinal cells. Um, yeah. They often also have maybe some anti-inflammatory components. They might have like quercetin, they might have curcumin, they have, might have MSM or like, um, I've even seen like cat's claw and stuff inside of them. Um, maybe some demulcents. Um, so like your licorice, slippery ale, marshmallow root. Sometimes there's okra yeah. in them because okra is a really badass demulcent as well. Um, aloe. Yeah. Aloe is another one that's really good. And they'll often have different kinds of antioxidants or polyphenols. Uh, quercetin also works in that realm, but like, um, why am I drawing a blank? Quercetin is sort of like the sexiest polyphenol um, du jour. Sure. And yeah. has some anti-inflammatory effects. So yeah. Um, and, and that's also where making sure you can get people to a place where they can consume those fibers, which in those vegetable fibers, you're also going to get good quality polyphenols. You're going to get those also in like berries. So like blueberries and things like that are really awesome, um, to help with gut soothing. And depending on how severe the situation is, it might, you know, doing things like digestive enzymes so that there's less energy expended. Like we talked about in the Crohn's and colitis talk, maybe giving something that enhances the breaking down of the food so that less energy is used for that. So more energy can be conserved for, or preserved or repair for repair and healing instead. Mm -hmm. Um, and also making sure that you are properly digesting food particles so that they don't become a further irritant to your intestinal lining. 
Um, that would be a big part of it. Probiotics might be a part of my gut healing, but usually yeah, when I'm thinking be. about healing the actual intestinal lining, I'm thinking about this. I would maybe use esbulardi because it's a badass when it comes to that. And it does improve mm -hmm. the healing of the intestinal tract and intestinal cells. Um, zinc carnosine is another good one. And zinc. Mm -hmm. I feel like- Seems to have a specific, specific um, uh, help up in the stomach, gastric mucosa. But, but like you, if you it. want to treat the whole thing, you have to, you got to treat the whole you got to treat the whole tube. That's it, because irritation in one area can start to affect other areas after. So I think one that's kind of one 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 big tube, and also uh, easy to digest foods. So like the Crohn's and colitis, we mm -hmm. might do things like congee or roasted root veggies and things that are easy to digest and really nourishing. So. Mm -hmm. From from my uh, side of things, a lot of similar a lot of similar things. I'd, I'd probably use one of the. There's a couple of products um, <clears throat> that that have you know there's they're well enough designed that I have not decided to do anything and design my own with like signature yeah. and and um, so so that and they're like the ones you were saying, um, N acetylglucosamine. Uh, yeah, NAG. Uh, I forgot. Yeah, and then um, glutamine and some polyphenols demulcents um yeah like they're you're just given you want to give the hardware there to rest soothe and repair um yeah. and on top of that um it it, it looked like uh, more and more infos come out on this more recently than what i remember learning in naturopathic college was is on polyphenols and so i i do like um just like greens and reds drinks if you have i mean let's just be practical the best thing to do is do what you said like eat all the berries and stuff and yeah and make sure you eat the colors <laughs> but it, you know one good way to to just make sure you're getting it every day might be to get like a like a greens drink of of some sort because of the those um varied polyphenols are gonna have uh an, quite quite a quite a benefit on the microbiome and therefore on the uh on the you know, the, the junction integrity and mucus uh, secretion and intestinal <clears throat> barrier as a whole. Absolutely. So, eat your plants, eat your colors. That's it. Drink yeah. your water. Drink your water. And drink your water. Drink your, and, treat, and treat your digestion. Well, treat your body with a little respect and maybe choose less processed foods. Maybe... Yeah, don't oh, double, sure. don't, double don't down, don't double down on alcohol every weekend give your body a break allow it to heal prioritize sleep manage stress levels like like same old the same old and and and, and there's a reason for that and then yeah. if you feel like we're still not getting the momentum you need by trying to eat better and stuff then work with a naturopath so that way if there's pathogens if there's other things that are requiring a more specific uh approach then you can get the support on those things to really get to the other side. I'm kind of like, a. I also want to say when it comes to healing leaky gut, it's not like it just takes two weeks. Like it can take time for this to fully resolve. 
Um, and well, it might take, sure. and it's going to take various steps too. Like it might, it might require like in my practice, maybe some parasitic cleansing, improving liver gallbladder health, taking up food sensitivities, and then doing some leaky gut repair and taking a break. And then maybe we still have to go take care of more pathogens. Like, and then the healing itself of the leaky gut could take a few months to like fully put out the fires, uh, once you've kind of gotten rid of some of the irritants. So I just want people to be realistic about the process and, I think that having like a gut healing powder kind of routinely in most people's arsenal is probably a good thing. Like I periodically, I it's hard to go wrong with it. I periodically take one of those gut healing pre-made powders that we have in, in our naturopathic communities. Like every, every few months, I'll just do a month on it. Right. Yeah. I got just some at to, home too. Just to ensure my gut integrity is still in check. So I think um, related to what you said there too, though, like, you know, it, it takes a while, but it's really cool because that layer, those cells, they, if you give them the right stuff, they, they replenish and repair and reproduce like every three to five days. So, you know, even if you do like a couple weeks, a few weeks, you've already had lots of cell yeah. turnover and they're just, they're going to get healthy, like structurally and, and, and therefore functionally better as you, you know, put less bad crap in and put more good stuff in, right. It's yeah. kind of like that. Yep. So there's there's hope, people. Fix your leaky gut. Drink your water. Drink your water. Eat your good. veggies. Eat your colors. Eat your veggies, people. Eat your colors. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I think we did all right. I I think I've uh, filled in a couple gaps with my knowledge of uh, leaky gut. What about you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I think I I, I uh, yeah, I gained a little extra from this. It was good. Okay. Yeah. And we hope. That the listeners gained a little extra too and we thank you for taking the time to listen to us um educate and hopefully have a laugh i think i swore too much this week but i'll try better next week what's, what's too much <laughs> bye everyone <laughs> bye